What a great time of worship. Thank you for sharing in that time. And I want to say <clears throat> tremendous word of thanks and gratitude to this ministry staff um, for developing the protocol that uh, has been developed here for these challenging days. Um, I was away for much of the time that they were working on this and putting this together. And I just want to let uh, senior staff and all ministry staff uh, know from me this morning how much I appreciate all of the effort that has gone into preparation uh, for us as the family of God here at Taylor's First Baptist Church. And I hope you know, I hope you know how fortunate and blessed you are to have the kind of ministry staff that you have here at Taylor's First Baptist Church. And we're, we're more mindful, I think, of that uh, in challenging times like this. But this is what they do every single day, day in and day out. And it has been such a blessing to be able to just be a small part of what God is doing through this ministry here. Well, if you have been with us over <clears throat> these recent weeks, you know that we have been taking a journey through the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, and our topic has been, at least for, the, for these opening weeks together, determined to make a difference. We have been talking about what it means to be difference makers, and we have been talking about the difference that Christ makes in our lives. And I want to continue in that same vein this morning, although we're not going to be in the book of Nehemiah and you don't have any message notes for you this morning, but I want you to hear from me. If there was ever a day, if there was ever a time that we as the people of God, followers of Jesus Christ, need to demonstrate the difference that Jesus Christ can make in someone's life, it is today. It is now in these unique, challenging, and for many people, fearful days. So I want to focus on that this morning. And um, again, I'm not going to follow my usual approach of taking a text and just walking through it expositionally. I just want to share two things with you this morning. We're going to look at a lot of different scripture verses. And if you like to take notes, maybe in the margin of your Bible, you, you can uh, scratch down some of these verses because they really, really are important ones for us in this day if we're going to be the difference makers that not just that God expects us to be, but that we have the opportunity to be today in this very special time that we find ourselves in. So here's the first thing that I want us to try to get our hearts and our minds around this morning. Just two things, but here's the first. If we're going to be difference makers for such a time as this, then we need to recognize this is a time for those of us who are the people of God, followers of Jesus Christ, to proclaim and live out the reality of the peace of God. The peace of God. Do you understand this morning that our lives as followers of Christ 
should be characterized by a sense of peace, especially in the face of difficult and anxious circumstances like we find ourselves in today. I want to share a verse with you. I'm going to draw from it here just a little bit, but a single verse. Isaiah chapter 26, and I just, I'll just invite you to turn to this text. I want you to eyeball it if you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says this, You, O Lord, will keep in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. God's Word promises His peace in difficult times to a certain group of people. What group of people? Those whose minds and thoughts are fixed on God. Those who trust Him. That's where our peace comes from. And in these days, we need to be centering and concentrating our minds on God and our trust in Him. You see, whenever trouble threatens, Isaiah says we need to fix and focus our minds on the Lord and the great truths about Him that we find in Scripture. What are those truths? Well, there's a lot of them. And there's a lot of different ways we could go this morning, but let me share a few truths with you this morning that ought to help you and ought to help me experience the peace of God and demonstrate the peace of God in the face of a world that is in absolute turmoil and chaos today. In a world that has no peace, that's full of anxiety, we need to be living out the reality and proclaiming the peace of God. Here are some scriptural truths that will help you grab hold of that peace. Number one, I want to proclaim to you this morning loudly and clearly that our God is sovereign over everything in life. He is sovereign over everything in life. There is not one single thing that happens to you, that happens to me, that occurs in our world over which God is not in absolute control. Do you believe that? That's something we need to fix and focus our minds on, Isaiah says. As this virus spreads to every country, as it seems to encroach closer and closer to our own front doors, we need to fix our minds and our thoughts on the sovereignty of God if we're going to find this peace and demonstrate it in a world of chaos. Our God, church, is Lord. He is King. He is ruler over Everything, and that includes the forces of nature on a micro level. Psalm 29, verse 10. Let me give you another verse to hang on to. Psalm 29 says, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king Forever. He sits enthroned over the flood. 
And that, that word flood is a good word for us today because that's sort of what I feel like anyway we're experiencing. As this thing grows, as this thing spreads, as it gets bigger, as it just seems to continue to swell with no end in sight at the moment. In fact, it's very interesting to me that the word flood used here in Psalm 29.10 is exactly the same word for flood that is used in the book of Genesis to describe the flood that took place in Noah's day that had such a global impact that engulfed every nation, that impacted every creature on the face of the earth, and yet God was in absolute control of that. He directed it. He set its limits in time, and he set its limits in scope. We feel like we're in some kind of flood right now. The waters seem to be rising over our head. I love what God said to Job, though, in chapter 38, verses 8 through 11. Here's another neat passage, Job 38, 8 through 11. God is speaking here, and he says, Who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth out of the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and, watch this, and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said to it, thus far you shall come and no farther and here shall your proud waves be stopped. See, our God is sovereign and he sets the limits, not just for the floods and the waves, but for everything else in the universe, including viruses. They too are subject to His sovereign, limiting power. I I love what R.C. Sproul said. Timely for a day like this. Sproul said, there cannot be a single maverick molecule anywhere in the universe that is outside of God's sovereignty. Do you believe that? Not a single maverick molecule anywhere in the universe outside of God's sovereign control. And when we recognize that and live in that reality, it will enable us to proclaim and live out the reality of the peace of God in our lives, which is something our world desperately needs to see today. The peace of God. But here's another truth that ought to make us live and dwell and proclaim the peace of God. Not only God is sovereign, but He is also infinitely wise and unquestionably good. He is infinitely wise, and he is unquestionably good. Romans chapter 11, verse 33, Paul says he he really burst out in this doxology of sorts as he says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments 
and his paths beyond tracing out. God is infinitely wise. He knows what he is doing. And Paul says he not only knows what is best, but he knows the best way of bringing about what is best, even if we can't see it. His paths are often beyond our ability to trace out. We can't always see what God is doing. But if we fix and focus our minds and our thoughts on Him and we recognize His incredible wisdom, it will give us peace. But He is not only wise, He is also good. And He is sovereignly working all things out for the good of His people. Romans 8 28, a well-known verse is one we really need to give some attention to at a time like this. And we know that for those who love God, all things, even the bad things, even the difficult things, even the challenging things. Paul says God takes all of these things and he weaves them together. He works them together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. That's something we need to fix our minds on, church. That's something we need to focus our thoughts on, church. God knows what he's doing and what he's doing is working all things out together for his people's good. We may not always understand the details of God's plan, but his plan is perfect. He knows what he's doing because he's infinitely wise, and he is unquestionably good. And who knows what he's doing in all of this? Who knows what the Lord will bring out of this virus to accomplish his purposes if we seek those purposes, if we're sensitive to the opportunities God's going to give us through this time to demonstrate his peace to people who have no peace right now, to people who are incredibly anxious and worried and burdened. No telling what he can do here. Let me encourage you with what he's doing in China. Do you understand that today the Christians in Wuhan, China, and this is where this coronavirus began, right? Everybody know that? That's not news to anybody, right? Wuhan's been in the news, that, that city where all this is believed to have begun. Do you understand this morning that the Christians of Wuhan those Chinese believers and many other believers across China have literally put themselves in harm's way to show the practical love of God and give help to the people of their city. This is always how God's people have responded. God's people have always run into the city in times of plague and pestilence. Go back and read part of the history of the Roman Empire, those great plagues that, that devastated the Mediterranean world while the government was fleeing, <laughs> while the wealthy and the rich and the privileged were fleeing from the city, the people of God were running into the city to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. And they're doing that in Wuhan. And let me tell you, they're doing it at a time 
when China is reviving some of the harshest persecution and crackdown on believers that we have seen in my lifetime. On February the 1st of this year, the Chinese government released an edict requiring all religious leaders and organizations to pledge their loyalty to the Communist Party of China. And this is the very time in a time of crisis that God's people are doing what no one else will do and is having an impact. It's making a difference. I'm not suggesting we be foolish. I'm not suggesting we needlessly subject ourselves to something that's dangerous. But we need to understand something. God has a purpose in all of this. And the greatest purpose of all is that He would be glorified through it. And He is glorified when His people respond in the way that He has called us to respond to be salt and to be light, and to run to the needs of those around us. So when we understand this, that God is infinitely wise, He's up to something, He knows what He's doing, and He is unquestionably good. He wants to work this out for our good and for His glory. Then that ought to give us a sense of peace as we navigate through this challenging time. And then the third and last thing that ought to encourage peace in our hearts is this. The Word of God tells us that the Lord has ordained the exact number of our days. The exact number of our days, the years, months, weeks, days, Hours that we live have been ordained already by God. Psalm 139.16 says, In your book, O God, are written the days that were formed for me, every one of them, when as yet there were none of them. In other words, before we were ever born, God had already ordained the years, the time of our Lives and church, nothing in all of creation can alter the time and the manner of our death. It will be whatever God, in His sovereign, wise, and gracious plan, has ordained. Your death cannot be brought about by bad luck, by somehow catching a virus and getting infected and and dying before your time. I like what someone has said. We are immortal until God determines that our work is done. And that's why Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 27, not to worry. Why? Because it will not add a single hour to our lifetime. God's already determined that. So we don't need to fear. We don't need to live with anxious concern. We need to demonstrate and live out and proclaim the reality of the peace of God. Why? Because He's sovereign over all of this. He's absolutely and infinitely wise and unquestionably good 
And He's already determined, charted out the course of our lives. We have every reason to live in the peace of God. And our world needs to see that today. Needs to see the difference that the peace of God makes in our lives. That's number one. Here's the second, last thing I want to share with you. We should not only in these challenging days bear witness to the reality of the peace of God, but we should also in these challenging days bear witness to the coming judgment of God. We should bear witness to the coming judgment of God. Do you understand that pestilences, illnesses, diseases, that those are one of the signs of the times that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 21? I want you to listen to verses 10 and 11 of Luke 21. Jesus said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Jesus says these things will characterize and proclaim His return. Now, of course, these things have been true throughout all of human history. But in in a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 24, verse 8, Jesus describes these kinds of things as the beginning of birth pains. Now, I just had the privilege to go through this again, not me personally. That's why I can say I had the privilege of walking through this with my middle daughter who just had her first baby, our grandchild number 11, this past week. I can't tell you this from personal experience, but I can tell you that they tell me (laughs) that as birth approaches, the contractions come closer together. They become more intense. They become more painful. I do know something of pain is I stood by Ruth during the time of her delivery and her fingernails dug into my wrist such that I think I was screaming louder than she was. But there is pain and it increases. And Jesus says, these kinds of things that we see are the beginning of that kind of process. We need to understand, church, that as we grow closer to Christ's return, these things are going to become more frequent. They're going to become more intense. They're going to become more painful. That ought not to discourage us. It ought to help us see that God is bringing His plan into reality. What He has promised is coming true. And and, and that's the point of all of these things, to draw us closer to the Lord as these things become closer so that we become more alert. We maintain a constant sense of readiness for the Lord's return without trying to predict in any way a specific date. We just say it's always imminent. It's never predictable. Every generation, including ours, needs to live with the reality, this could happen in my lifetime. This could happen this week. This could happen 
today, do you understand every outbreak of pestilence, whether it's a localized epidemic or a worldwide global pandemic, should remind us of the Lord's words and force the question upon us that asks, am I ready? Am I ready for the Lord's return? Have I bowed my knee to Jesus as Lord? Am I living a faithful, godly life, the kind that he's called me to live? Or will I be put to shame at his return because of my unfaithfulness? Let me tell you something, church. This coronavirus should impress upon us afresh and anew that this world is passing away. That history is not just going around in circles, but it's moving toward the great and terrible day of God's judgment. And church, it should drive us to pray. It should drive us to witness. It should drive us to engage with the lost with even greater urgency. It is, it is striking to me how frightened people have become over this thing. Now, I don't want to make light of any of it, but sometimes you just got to find some humor somewhere. And one of the funniest things I've seen that illustrates the, 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 the frightened nature of our culture today is a picture that shows a guy sitting there with his doctor and she says to him, I'm sorry, your test has come back positive for coronavirus. And the next slide shows him saying, no way. That absolutely cannot be, Doc. I've got 300 rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> We've lost our minds. People are frightened. Let me tell you something. This virus has absolutely shaken our world. And perhaps it has especially shaken the developed nations of the world, like our own, where we've grown immune, secure. We can't be touched. We can't be harmed. Look at our retirement accounts. Yeah, look at them. Look at our health care system. Look at our privilege. Things are great. Things are good. We relax. We get slack spiritually. But church, we have now been confronted by a force that none of our wealth, None of our health care or our medical advances can save us from. Listen, there is no vaccine at present, nor is there likely to be one anytime soon. This virus is no respecter of persons. It cannot be contained. The world is at its absolute mercy. People are scared to death. And yet, here's the reality. The vast majority of the people on our planet will not contract this disease, and the majority of those who do contract it will not die from it. But we're terrified of it. How much more terrified 
should people be of the judgment of God when it sweeps over them suddenly, unstoppably, affecting every person who's ever lived, no matter where in the world they are. This pandemic and every pandemic is only a small, pale shadow of the ultimate judgment of God. And if we do not seize this opportunity to proclaim that coming judgment, not in a, not in a caustic or condemning kind of way, right now, as, as our world has been rocked by this virus, we have the opportunity to present it in a caring and compelling way. And point people to the one true God who through Jesus Christ has committed to save to the uttermost all of those who place their faith and their trust in Him. And we have been handed this unprecedented opportunity. I'm going to tell you, people's ears are open and their hearts are open and they're questioning everything. Lots of bad news out there. We've got the good news. And we need to seize this opportunity to proclaim not just the reality of the peace of God that enables us to navigate this with confidence and hope because we know God is sovereign. He's infinitely wise and unquestionably good. And He has already charted out the paths of our lives. He's numbered our days. We don't need to be afraid of what might happen to us. We can run into the city with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me, let me conclude with this verse. Hebrews chapter 6. Verses 18 through 19. Hebrews 6, 18 through 19. So God has given both His promise and His oath. These two things which are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge... Hear that. We who have fled to Him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. For this hope is strong and it is a trustworthy anchor for our souls. God's given you an anchor for your soul this morning. He's given you a hope that is steadfast and Secure. And He enables you to walk through these unprecedented, challenging days to live out and proclaim the peace of God, to hold out the truth of the coming judgment of God, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who need to know Him before it is eternally too late. I want to do something with you this morning, a little different. President of the United States has proclaimed today a national day of prayer. The president of our own Southern Baptist Convention has called for Southern Baptists to join other believers across the nation in a time of prayer, and that's what we're going to do today, and this is going to be how we conclude our service. And here's what I want to give you an opportunity to do. 
not going to call you to come down to the front, um, although you may do that if you choose. You can remain right where you are. But if the Lord should impress upon you this morning to pray a prayer, to stand to your feet and vocalize a prayer to God this morning from your heart, or to share a scripture this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And then I'm going to close our prayer time, and that will conclude our service this morning. But with these great truths resonating in our hearts and our minds that we can make a difference as we live out and proclaim the peace of God, as we live out and proclaim the reality of the judgment of God, then we as the people of God today come together to pray over this, over what God wants to do, over the fear, over the worry that so many people have as we go out of here to be the salt and the light that God has called us to be. So, just right where you are, we'll enter into this time of prayer. I'll close the time out this morning. Um, We've got some time. I'll close out our time, but as you may feel led this morning to share in this prayer time, let me invite you to do that as we bow our heads together right now and as we go to our Heavenly Father.